0: Welcome to Church is Cancelled. Hello. My name is My name is Brett, and I am here with it. Looks like Bubba this week. We're going with Bubba. What were we? We were like Zoltron last week or Zordon. Zordon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh Danny, otherwise yeah. known as I'll be referring to him as Danny.
1: Because that's my whatever, name.
0: Not whatever ridiculous name he puts on the screen.
1: Right. Uh
0: so this is Church Is Is Canceled, the podcast where we discuss some of the most salacious church scandals in the history of the church as well as church culture
1: yeah um you know the the name is meant to, it's designed intended to be kind of flashy and in your face and mm-hmm. uh but my intention i think our intentional, but I'll, i i only ever speak for myself is that i'm not here to aggrieve god or um criticize the gospel i'm just here to for me, I have to poke fun at some of the stuff we do as Christians. I mean, we have yeah. to, if we can't develop a sense of humor for some of the stuff we do, some of the stuff we do, and, you know, if we can't do that, eh, that's why people walk out if, we're, if things are too rigid. Um, but this week, we're going to talk about the rise and fall of Mars Hill.
0: But, well, <laughs> we're talking about Mars Hill, and right. uh, we, will, we will reference a podcast Produced by Christianity Today called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Dude, um, I I am. I did, before we do in, get too far into that, I did want to say as well, this is our first like topic episode. That's right. If you want to hear like what this is all about, if you're confused, maybe go back to the first one, our intro, where yeah. we kind of talk about that. But like Danny was saying, you know, we are in no way a ministry. We are not pastors. We do not intend to minister to you. There will likely be no healing provided (laughs) through you listening to this. If there is, Um, that's your own fault. Well, Um, I mean, that's my disclaimer. And uh, legally, yeah.
1: Legally, we are technically a not for profit church. That's just (laughs) for tax purposes. So that's not right.
0: Uh, We're obligated to give you that disclaimer at the beginning of every every podcast. uh, Our attorneys have informed us. That's so, the, the, I mean, this is purely for entertainment purposes. Correct. If you get something out of it, if you find a piece of healing, we'd love to hear from you. You yes. can email. We don't have an email address. No, no it's so, a, it's uh,
1: d- dgfl1836 at gmail.com. That's right. We
0: do, we do have an email.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I will just say, though, I... Um, you know, our podcast, our, our production schedule ended up getting pushed back two weeks. The first week we tried, um, we had tech problems. The second yeah. week I was going through a oh, just I was um, I, I uh, just feeling grumpy. The enemy
0: had a hold of you. Would you say the enemy kind of had a hold of your heart?
1: No, I wouldn't say that at all. What I would say, though, is, you know, just as I was just having one, I was just off. I was just off kilter for a little bit. And um, then two weeks after that, you know, we did our first episode. I felt great. I was on fire (laughs) for the Lord. (laughs) And then I proceeded to consume this 15 hour 12 part series from Christianity today. And listen, I'll say at the outset of doing this podcast, some of my thought process was, well, if it like, you know, was like, Hey, there's a Venn diagram of like girls in yoga pants that drive Suburbans Uh and listen to, you know, true crime podcasts. And there's another subsection of those people. They don't drive Suburbans. They drive minivans because they go to a mega church and they have four kids and we could, you know, do this long series I listened to the whole thing and immediately was like, we are never doing any of that. Like we're doing one episode, it's in and out or maybe two, but, um, I'll tell you this much, um, about Mark Driscoll. And I'll say this personally, um, Mark has, has been a part of my faith story. We can't pretend like he was the first guy to really kind of like president Obama. He was the first guy to really use the internet to like do church the way he did. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff in the podcast and other places about the scandal that he was too masculine. But let me tell you right. something. <clears throat> Up in my head, right? I want to be the kind of man that does a, f- a handful of things really well because I don't think you can do everything. I think you can only do a few things. I want to love God, serve the kingdom. I want to love my family well. And I want to be at peace with all men. But the problem is in my heart it's an episode of The Sopranos, except the yeah. soundtrack is Limp Biscuits Rollin', the, the remix with DMX. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Well, what you've got to do, Danny, is you've got to take what you want in your head and that mm. that head knowledge, right? That has to become heart knowledge. <laughs> you have to feel that with inside <laughs> of your
1: spirit. One second. I just, Jeff Bezos, can I borrow a dick shake bracket so I can launch myself <laughs> into the thought? Oh my goodness. Um, no, but like, so like to, for me, um, you know, when I left my parents' church and I started going to big mega churches or whatever, a lot of it was at that time, Justin Bieber haircuts and skinny jeans and like this, like as, and I'll use Driscoll's language here. It was, um,
0: Well, let's, let's back up one second before we get to into Driscoll and just talk about, who he was and who Mars Hill was, right? Sure. A little bit of background. I, I mentioned I mentioned Mars Hill and Driscoll this morning to a guy, and he didn't know who they were. So um, incredible. Yeah, I, I don't think he goes to church. So for we may have listeners who don't or just never really got hey, to it.
1: That guy sounds like he probably is like having a great day. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: a pretty cool guy. Uh, yeah, so yeah. so Mars Hill was a church, uh, a multi-site mega church. It was founded mm-hmm. in, in 1996. Right, by Driscoll, Leif Moy, and do you remember the other guy's name?
1: Is it something uh, something? Mike Dunn.
0: Okay, Mike Mike Dunn.
1: Yeah. By the way, um, Leif Moy passed away. I think two weeks ago. So you know. Oh wow. Rest okay. in peace to him, and he was only sixty rest years in peace old. Yeah, so, oh, wow. Seemed like a good dude, a man that uh, Mark Driscoll called his own his his pastor. He referred yeah. to him at some point as his pastor. So. Well, Mark
0: Driscoll was known. He kind of came to fame for having this style that was i mean this it was a mega church in the middle of seattle right Right. so a very unchurched place not very conservative but he was very conservative at least in his theology oh yeah um and he did not pull any punches he had this i don't give an f attitude Uh, He was very boisterous. He He was very loud. He would yell. He would preach for over an hour. Sometimes he would yell at the people in his congregation and tell them to be better. um, Which is kind of how he became famous.
1: And what I find fascinating about that is you and I planted a church in a blue city, you know, it's uh, Austin's city. Yeah. Yeah. Austin's often referred to as the blueberry and the tomato soup. Um, And we help you know plant a church there and it took some that church took some kind of more progressive positions on things and um it just didn't amount to the in terms of size i'm not saying that people didn't go there and meet jesus and have i'm just saying and it's fascinating to see that in a such a progressive city and especially you know mark driscoll is what we call a calvinist or at that time he he would say he was was, yeah
0: he's he's He's, come off that belief he's
1: yeah he's more of a prosperity preacher now i think a little bit i'm just kidding he's not but um to have such a rigid theology in a city that would i would say reject um that kind of thing
0: type of conservatism yeah yeah i think he was doomed he was doomed you would think this is his setup for failure
1: right and and i'll say this at the outset like I know that people got hurt by this and I listened to the whole thing. And I, I think both of us went into doing this episode thinking it was going to be a big nothing burger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I read about uh, Driscoll and Mars Hill online, I'll read to you what I found uh, that the, at the end of September, 2014, the church elders did an investigation and they found that he had patterns of bullying i'm doing air quotes if you're listening not watching in patterns of persistent sinful behavior and they found him to be quick tempered arrogant and domineering and i thought when i read that who gives a shit (laughs) like what's the problem yeah i don't Um, like
1: so what you've just described to me i would say is oh so the head of a massive church i think at one point in time they said they were ten thousand like six thousand members ten to twelve thousand attendees He has a bit of an ego and he's a man. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Like, yeah. But listening to the podcast that Christianity today put out the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I only got about five episodes in. I know you listened to the whole thing. I did. You really start to learn a little bit more about why this was such a big deal.
1: And let me just say this regarding the podcast. Um, I look at following Jesus as an adventure that I'm excited that I get to go on every day. Listening to this podcast made me want to give myself a root canal with a rusty Amish drill bit. (laughs) It was so like, this is an aesthetic thing. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the host. I like the way it was assembled. Listen, I am. I hated
0: the host's voice. It sounded like he was trying to eat a bowl of cereal while he was speaking.
1: I, here's the thing. I, I looked this guy up on Twitter. I listened to the podcast. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure if we met, we'd be friends, but I feel like he lives in a intentional community with tiny houses. He makes his own kombucha. He rides a fixie. We're just not the same guy, right? Like a fixie is a bicycle without any gears. And it's supposedly the, it's the hippie way, but, and also, let me just say this much about the, the way it was assembled. Listening to it was like reading the parts of the Old Testament where it talks about lineage, where mm-hmm. it's like, and the son of Zebedee went into the mountain. And it's like, if you could just like, you did this huge podcast, they clearly spent a decent amount of money producing mm-hmm. it. Could you would not least have given me here's a picture of this individual I'm talking about? They jump back and forth through the timeline as you do, like, because that's that's the way they did it. it, it oh, it's yeah. not that that was a bad choice. Hey, could you just give me a timeline and like a visual? Because I watched, I did the whole thing on YouTube.
0: Oh, you watched it. I just listened on. There, there's podcast. nothing to
1: see on YouTube. It's just a graphic with the audio wave playing. So like, yeah, okay, well, yes, yeah, so I, I just did it because like I was watching it on my computer during work and then switching to my phone, like going to the gym or whatever. It was just the easiest way was to do it on YouTube because it will keep my place. But that, that's my beef with the podcast. The content Like to get the, like, I felt so bummed out after watching or listening to this. I had to watch all of the Left Behind movies, including (laughs) the Nicolas Cage, Mike Chad Michael Murray reboot, just to get it out of my system and just to like be spiritually ready to talk about it today. I had to listen to all of Jesus Freak, the DC Talk album, just to like. (laughs) So,
0: all right. So Bullying. Patterns of persistent uh, sinful behavior. He's quick-tempered, arrogant, domineering. Yeah. Danny, what did you hear in, more specifically, in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, which includes audio clips of Driscoll preaching, which includes <sighs> interviews with people who knew him intimately? What did you hear that made you feel uh, like you had to watch the whole Left Behind series, including the Nick Cage <laughs> one, which I mean, we don't even talk about Nick Cage right no. now. No
1: um so there's parts of it that i heard that horrified me When some of it was like um i'm not really offended by his i'm not a complimentarian that didn't bother me it didn't like when he was like you're not a
0: complimentarian
1: i'm not a macro compliment let me put it this way i'm a libertarian in all things including uh-huh. following jesus and i think there are some people who are going to have complementarian homes there's some people mm-hmm. who are going to have egalitarian homes it's not my place to tell them how to organize their house to define
0: read- that to define that for listeners who don't know, a complementarian uh, you would believe that the, the husband plays a very specific role based on kind yep. of traditional gender roles and the the wife plays another role. Yep. Egalitarianism would say it doesn't really matter who does what if she goes out and earns more money than me and I'm right. a guy and I stay home and raise a kid, who cares?
1: No, I think we have an episode in our call sheet that's going to be about men in the church. And so there's a lot of thoughts I have there. I'll save it for that because we have an episode dedicated to it. But I will say that um, as a practical matter, personally, I would much rather have a complementarian home. And um, I would say that at least for the period where we have small children, that's what makes sense. Um, And uh, like that's uh, that's the kind of household I was raised in. But to say, when I, when I, the reason I don't embrace the label complementarian is, I mean, I don't care if somebody's like, my wife is a doctor, so I stay at home with my kids. Like my, you know, the man is at home with the- Because that makes sense to me. It, it's perfect. So like, I don't think that it's, so I think that that rigid structure, I think, can, well, you know, So but here, here's the answer to the question. There was like a, the very popular pastor of their downtown campus, who was like, Yeah, I'm not playing the video where you <clears throat> ask for extra donations because it's like, you know, these are poor people who don't need to hear that or whatever. Yeah. So he was super popular. When he left the church, they made him, he refused to sign a non disclosure agreement. Um,
0: not and, Mark Driscoll, some other guy.
1: Yeah. So when, so the, this very popular pastor, Mark Driscoll, said, You have to sign the, within the Marshall community this NDA and me knowing that Mark Driscoll knows the Bible, I go, you know, there's a whole verse about how you, what you do in the dark will be exposed to the light or something. Yeah. So like, you think this piece of paper you is think going to stop, is
0: gonna stop the
1: Holy spirit. You think the, you think a piece of paper is going to stop a move of God. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. He also said, if that guy plants a church and they like uh, someone said they heard him say this firsthand. So I I probably believe it. If he goes and plants a church, I will tear it down brick by brick. Come on. Yeah, that's what
0: Driscoll said about someone else planting a church. Yeah, One of his.
1: And, you know, throughout the time, like it's, you know, throughout the time there, it it sounded like, you know, uh, yeah, at some point they had 85% staff turnover. The way they did, so like- So these are some of the things that caused
0: it to be a scandal. 85% staff turnover- Uh, when he went under investigation and they announced that they're kind of splitting up their campuses, attendance dropped by almost 40%. Uh, One of the guys in the Christianity Today podcast who was there says, you know, as soon as they realized that they were losing Mark, like they knew they were done. Yeah. Like that was it.
1: And that to me, what kind of aggrieved me is I listened to the whole thing and as someone who has, and I mean this sincerely been impacted by the, by his ministry I, and I would say I was impacted by the ministry of Mars Hill because you listen to this and you find out like the reason he looks so good on stage was that they hired this super professional media guy and basically said, do whatever you want. He's like, he owned three. He's like, I bought three red cameras, which are these like ten fifteen $15,000 cameras. And he said, we had three of them. NBC had two total, like, huh. like the entire entirety of that media conglomerate, two of them. We had three yeah. at a church. And like you know, to to go into a city like Seattle to build such a large church that, and sincerely unchurched people, it's not like where we come from, where it's like, yeah, I was raised Lutheran and confirmed, and then I went to an AG church and I really found Jesus. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm just saying, you know. um, And the other thing too was like when I found out like that, there's a very popular clip, and you can find it online where he starts yelling. And he's yeah. looking for, and you can tell he's looking at the yeah. camera and he goes, how Let, dare you?
0: Yeah, let's timeline it up to yeah. the how dare you, because one thing that bothered you about the Christianity today is they didn't timeline it. So let's yeah. timeline it up. He starts Correct. his church in 96. Correct. I don't have all the dates of when things happen, no. but it starts to grow pretty quickly. Very as we quickly. Said, kind of surprisingly, yeah. because he's right. very conservative and unashamed about being conservative in a very liberal city. Right. Uh, he ends up with multiple campuses. Correct uh starting to gain some fame people like his style he's very loud he yells let um, me
1: interject this they would say yeah. on an average weekend they might have a thousand plus people come through the campuses mm-hmm. but he was just at the right place at the right time one of their uh guys who was helping just a volunteer had a meeting with apple and apple said hey we're launching a video ipod an ipod that does video and so he goes to Mark and says, Hey, we should start putting our podcasts online. Have you ever heard of these or our, our, uh, your messages online? Have you ever heard of this thing called an MP3? So what they ended up saying is at the end, he ends up getting 10,000 downloads a sermon, which yeah, is huge. That's wild. Yeah.
0: So he's doing that, um, yeah. reaching a ton of people, um, always kind of has this uh, don't give an F attitude. So, When he starts to get pushback from people for not liking his theology or his style or whatever his solution is to just kind of fire them um there's a clip on the christianity today podcast where he's saying they're on the bus Mm. and he says there's a few different kinds of people on the bus there are people on the bus who want to get in the way and we're going to run them over with the bus right uh there are people on the bus who want to help and are going to help get us where we need to go we want those people there are people on the bus who aren't really going to do anything. And we just want them to sit there and shut up because right. they're okay. They're not against us. They're not with us. Just sit there and shut up and we'll allow you to stay on the bus. So right. you're a, a pastor say those types of things about the people who are coming to your church, right, oftentimes right, right. giving 10% or more of their income to you and right. your organization <laughs> that, you know, if they don't do what you want, just going to run them over. Right. You know, that's, it's a, it's a metaphor, but, uh, That's how he dealt with things. He just started getting rid of people. Uh, He had there's one one clip of him bragging about. He's like, "I love it. I just fired three people before I came here. Yeah, Um, this was a regular thing, apparently."
1: So you know, also that we should include in here is that, you know, I listened to the whole podcast and with a with an expectation that I was going to come out on the other side of it, going, "This is a nothing burger. How did you make? How did you squeeze, you know, twelve episodes out of this one scandal?" turned out but you know an additional like so that bus comment was actually made at a conference where he was preaching about church planting the major thing too is this dude it's incalculable i think to understand how his impact when he created acts 29 which is a reformed Mm -hmm. theology church planting network it's huge like there are so many i mean we cannot country
0: it's
1: all over the world right um, and so, uh, you know, ultimately he gets, you know, he ends up, they end up booting him and all that's at the end though, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so but, we got up to
0: the point where he has his clip that went viral.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, do you know what year that was? I don't have it.
1: I think it was 2009. And the part that. Yes. Pissed,
0: 2009. He has a. Do you want to say what he says in the clip?
1: Basically, like. <clears throat> and probably. he was, he was so.
0: He was infamous a little background a little context he was very well known for being really hard on the men in his yeah. church and right. he had a, lo- a a tough love kind of way of doing this like you need to Correct. be better you're right. a piece of poo you can't right. just sit there and play video games and jerk off like you yes. gotta be better if you're gonna lead an army against the armies of hell right so right. this is a kind of a common thing for him to do to talk to men this way right and- but he did this
1: And I find this really appealing. So he's like, he's yelling, right? He's, he's, and he's saying something like, and you're dating your girlfriend and you're not marrying her or whatever. And he goes, how dare you? (laughs) And the reason I'm not yelling that is because my microphone will peak and you won't hear anything. And he's screaming, how dare you? How dare you? And here's the part that really like, it's like, I saw the, behind the curtain for a minute, Uh cause that clip was viral. Mm -hmm. And this was when you could actually go viral back then. Right. Um, And I'm not talking about catching a a special flu. I'm saying like you literally went. (laughs) (laughs) He did it. Everybody thought this was a like just off the cuff,
0: off the cuff. And he claimed it was, he said, well, you know, I just kind of make things up as I go.
1: Yeah. He did it in all five services. (laughs) All five services that day. Yep. He he located the camera and right (laughs) after shortly after that, Tyndale House gave him a deal for books. He got a book deal. Yep. So here's the problem, right? When I say in my head, I want to be following Jesus and living the gospel and all that. But Mm -hmm. in my heart is an episode of The Sopranos. I like that. Like, I like the fact that he was that devious to like, I'm going to put on a show here at church. I'm going to turn it into a book deal. And And at the end of this, by the way, um, you know, they they there's the episode twelve, which just you know so episode eleven the church is done. Episode twelve, they talk about how they had to like they had to whack up all the money because there was like twenty million bucks or something in their budget. They had to whack all that money up. So they had to pay him a year's salary, six hundred thousand dollars. Okay, and here I don't have a problem. Wow. Seattle's an expensive place to live, so if sure. I heard they were giving him two fifty, I would still be like, "Hey, man, Seattle's expensive. Yeah, he has whatever. five kids. Like, I don't, I don't believe in impoverishing our full time workers, people who are doing ministry full time. I don't believe that they should be impoverished because yeah, it's an exhausting that's a, job. Yeah, it's it's an important job. They should do it, but six hundred k, but i don't even care that he was making 600k that's not the part that offends me it's that on his way to making 600k the way he got to that place of prominence and influence was by using his pulpit to step on other pastors like there was a point where he put joel osteen on a screen in his church took a clip from joel osteen and criticized joel osteen and when his whole thing collapsed he called up lakewood to say i'm sorry (laughs) And someone on Osteen's staff says he forgives you, and, ah. <laughs> and then Osteen oh. sped off in his, you know, Rolls Royce or whatever. Which I'm not aggrieved that he owns, uh. but I'm just saying, like, uh, it's the hypocrisy, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to your, if you go to your congregation and you say you can have a million dollars because of Jesus, I'm not offended that you have. Like Stephen Furtick, I don't care that he has a $12 million parsonage. That's tax-free. God bless America. But, you know, it's 12,000 square feet. I don't know how much money it is, but whatever. I don't care. And, um, you know, I will just say this also about uh, Mark Driscoll. This is a prediction. This is a prophecy for the future, I think. This man will pass down his, and, you know, we'll get to the part where he, start, you know, leaves and starts in church. Mm-hmm. He's going to pass down his church to his kids and he's going to run for Senate in, in, in Phoenix. He uh, is going to be an American Senator from Phoenix. Uh, 2025, uh, Kristen Cinema will be up for reelection. I'm prophesying, I'm not prophesying, I'm just saying I'm predicting based on a gut feeling that's what's going to end up happening.
0: Well, um, interesting prediction. Always appreciated. Um, because you bring up politics, I want to talk about, and I thought this about him before they mentioned it in the podcast. Um, okay. Um, I thought as I heard him speak, continue. Yeah. That uh, I just thought this guy has a style of speaking and addressing issues, a little bit of a Donald Trump style. Uh, which is what I think a, a part of a reason why a lot of people voted for Trump is sure. he was funny. He didn't yeah. care about the institution of politics. He was right. going to say what he thought. Driscoll kind of did the same thing. He was funny. He was right. loud. He didn't care about the institution of the church and how he had to be polite and dance around certain right. sensitive issues. He said what he wanted to say. Uh, now they liken him to Donald Trump later and say that he like gave Donald Trump the playbook, which I i don't know how much that's true but uh i could definitely see the similarities between the two and how that was appealing and attractive to people something fresh and hadn't been done before i thought it was hilarious when trump got up there on stage and started just just making fun of his debate opponent like he wasn't going to debate the right way he's just going to make fun of him that's what driscoll did he just made fun of other preachers
1: he made fun of the mormons i mean he made fun of Keyboard warriors, he used to call them the pajama Hadeen, like the Mujahideen, but the Pajama yeah, like like
0: he said some funny stuff, dude. He said and, and, and he said, like uh he always used to complain about church being too feminine, saying, Ah, oh, you walk in, there's all these pastel colors, right? And they're singing love songs to some Sky Fairy. And no joke, Danny. I walked into church this morning, they're Correct. singing some song that is it's too high pitched. the the uh, my voice won't even go that high. The octave doesn't. It just doesn't work. They've got yeah. pink lights on behind these two dudes in jeans that are tighter than my sister would fit into. And right. I'm just thinking, Driscoll was right.
1: No, you're entirely correct that he was. I mean, he's he was entirely correct. And that one, there's a clip of him. And you know, I, you were glossing over a lot of stuff. But there's a 12 part, 15 hour series if you want to get into the details. But he became this kind of stalwart for New Calvinism. He was he was at Gospel Coalition, Acts twenty nine. Like he had he was everywhere. And there's this clip from um, Desiring God, which is um, John Piper. So from our hometown, um, and I I believe John Piper is a wonderful preacher. He Probably has a wonderful church. He's an amazing minister. But anytime I hear him, my brain just goes nope. Mm-hmm. But there's this there's this clip of Driscoll that I, I still love and I can't find the original one. So <clears throat> but he goes you walk into church and it's chickified Jesus and he's wearing sandals and all this other stuff. And here's this guy who's wearing a puka shell necklace and an affliction t-shirt with this mega church Driscoll, and he's the, Driscoll, is, yeah. Driscoll. Yeah. And you know, and then you have Piper whose hair is never combed but he looks like <clears throat> Einstein. He does. <clears throat> and I'm just saying for the love of Jesus can we get this guy a hairbrush but I'm just saying you know Driscoll said that and it really resonated with me because I went to I can't tell you countless churches and uh, you know church communities that I was a part of where and here's the other thing like I'm a chameleon I can go to any of these places I can fit in that's that right. scares me I I know that I can walk in and I can put on the mask And I can say the words that they want me to say. And I can be the guy. I can tuck my polo shirt into my khakis, into my khaki shorts that my wife bought from from Costco. And I can be the guy. But then the only problem with that is I'm not going to be the guy. I'm just going to be like some amalgam of whatever. Just another guy. I won't be the guy God made me to be. I think Mm -hmm. anyways, I'm going to be some fake thing that I'm, Cause I'm working to conform myself to the image of the church. And, but, you know, and the other thing that I heard that Driscoll would do throughout this podcast and other stuff was he would take staff and start pitting them against each other. Mm-hmm. And he would say, Hey, you know, so-and-so thinks you can't to make them be more productive. That's fascinating to me that he would do that. That is it's kind so, of like
0: a what a that's a Peter Schiff yeah. type of strategy. That's like uh Schiff is known for like if you work for his company, uh they write your like top three negative things about you instead of your strengths, <laughs> and they put it on your profile so everyone in the company can see like this guy wastes a lot of time and stuff. And yeah. the point of why they do it is to try to like get people to be better.
1: But uh no, and so like that. That part of it to me was like, and listen, I've I know what it's like to go into a church and so like and to be like made into a pariah. I know what that is like, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But for me, the thing that was like, I guess I was lucky, and if you want to use this word privilege, I think it's a dumb word. I don't think it, but I'm just saying, I was raised by a loving family loved Jesus and the church that I was raised in. When I was a young very young child was in my grandfather's basement and i got to see and because it's, it's your cousins and your aunts there was a certain amount of there was love and we all took care of each other and they're all immigrants so it's like mm-hmm. you know we're all we're all living the gospel we're all living like we're in Acts, basically like if a brother need if my uncle needed to borrow a car like we just had to walk to my grandparents house because my uncle borrowed the car it wasn't a like a thing yeah And so when I go into these churches, because I thought it was like, so the guy yelled at you, who cares? But I realized Mm -hmm. like, for some people, they didn't have a dad. They didn't have this loving, they didn't grow up that way. So for them, this was it. This was their family. And this guy was being mean to them. Daddy was being rude. Um, So that part I I really do get.
0: Yeah, I think also uh, to go back to his joke about you walk in, it's all pastel colors and right singing love songs to a sky fairy he was known for talking a lot about masculinity and calling Correct. men in the church and in his church to be more masculine mm. and masculine as kind of defined by traditional gender roles like the right. man
1: protector provider he's yeah. the
0: protector the provider he is the leader uh you know headship ideas of headship right. were there he's the head of the family you do what he says right um so that that was one thing he was known for which i i am not i'm not particularly a a fan of but what uh what struck what? me was was the way that he uh he did this and i guess we'll get we can talk a little bit more about what he said about sexuality but he, there were like side by side hypocrisies in the way that he he would uh, talk about things. So in one way, he would say, you know, with his views on masculinity on a whole, I agree. The church is, I think, rather it's a feminine experience. But I don't. It's think a feminine more...
1: institution, yeah, and but... I'll, I'll just say this much: like I said, we're going to have an episode on this, so I don't want to dive too mm-hmm. deep into the woods but there are women who who left this church they're completely aggrieved they went and you know now there's a more progressive church that's in their main building now <clears throat> and their teenage sons are right now on rumble listening to andrew tate and they're they are they're listen i go to the gym i've been going to the same gym for a long time mm-hmm. one thing i can tell you for a decade i was always the youngest person in the gym i'm now seeing you know, boys as young as 10 or 12 in the gym. And they're like, hey, can I borrow some extra? Like, uh, do you have any pre-workout? Like they're, they are, div- I'm just, I, I love to see it. I love to see young boys being toxic, toxic in quotes.
0: <laughs> toxic and masculinity I, in quotes.
1: Yeah, but and I'd say it this way, toxic masculinity in quotes. All they're doing is the exact same thing culturally. I'm not talking about church in this specific instance. Mm-hmm. Girl power. They're just doing boy power, but it's now toxic because they're doing right. it. And it's I, I believe in empowerment in that regard for the boys. And I'm just gonna say this much. <clears throat> Driscoll was so correct about this. Um, and the church did not the church writ large did nothing about it that I believe we're going to have a generation of young men who love Jesus and they're gonna go be Catholic, they're gonna go be Orthodox they're going to leave mainline Protestantism because it became this hyper feminized experience that on some level um, denigrated their capacity to grow as young men. It, I shouldn't say denigrated, it diminished their capacity to grow as young men, diminished their capacity to grow spiritually, and then said, Hey, if you just want something biologically, because it's hardwired into you to like something like, I find odd is that the same people who are like, we should be against um, uh, what's the therapy where you pray for people, they pray away the gay? Conversion Um, conversion therapy. therapy. Yeah, conversion therapy. I think within the context of mainline evangelical churches, we are doing conversion therapy on boys. And like, there's like, Jesus was so kind and compassionate. You can be kind and compassionate and you can care about people. The most rough dudes I know, that are yoked and they drive trucks and they're like they're not faking it because i know guys like that who are also faking it we know yeah, one of those are people I, I shouldn't say faking it they're wearing a costume yeah. it's not authentic to who they are i know men who are authentic like men they hunt they fish they can gut a mule deer okay they bow hunt these aren't like it's not a joke to go bow hunting right because like anybody can crack something with but what i'm getting at is those men tend to have kind, gentler sides. They took it. They take fantastic care of their wives. They Mm -hmm. raise amazing daughters. I, so like that, that perception of like, if you're being pro masculinity, you're being pro wife beating. And this, this equivalency that's been created is where the church has accepted something from the culture, a lie from culture and has adopted it as a fact. And then we're doing conversion therapy on boys to be like hey don't grow up to be big and strong instead consume lots of soy write a fixie and live in an intentional community in a tiny house and make your own kombucha Uh,
0: yeah 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 i mean i agree i agree the i think the overall the experience is i've seen the same thing in the church Um, right it is it just seems to be feminized now the way that driscoll handled it was interesting um the you know i don't think you make men out of boys by yelling at them and making fun of them and just generally condemning them and telling them they're pieces of garbage
1: i I do think it's on some level like so my friends like you're one of my friends and you'll call me up and fat shame me and that does motivate me to get into the
0: gym call you and fat shame you Uh, (laughs) um Because I'm, you make bad jokes about yourself, I will occasionally drop one on I, you.
1: It doesn't, it doesn't hurt my feelings. No, <clears throat> um, Do it. Oh, there is something that I did want to say. Like, I listened to this whole thing, and I, I meant to say this at the beginning of the show. And, you know, as I said, I had an off week, so we lost the week there. Um, I literally called my therapist um, and said, here's how I'm feeling. I listened to this whole podcast, and um, he said... Hold on, I have the message here. Mm-hmm. He said that it sounds like you are suffering from something called empathy. I don't know what that is, but uh, it's oh, awful.
0: Empathy. Oh, is that
1: yeah. what that is? Well, I, I asked him if he like had any prescriptions or something that he could give me to help to with. Get my rid of that, yeah. Yeah. You
0: don't want it to be called empathy.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. So like he suggested I take a bunch of testosterone supplements and they are <laughs> working. I just doubled the dose just to help me get through it. And uh, my jaw barely moving right now. It's, I'm tweaking. So I, I,
0: I think the, the thing about uh, what Driscoll did is like he, so he, he criticized men uh, for being abusers and taking advantage of women. Uh, but this phrase stuck out to me from the Christianity Today podcast. I don't know who said it, but they said it seemed like the way that Driscoll did it was like the only way to protect a woman from being subjugated and abused by a bad man is to subjugate her to a good man, right? And yeah. that was his strategy. And that was uh, from the, the female perspective. And you heard from women who were there, they said, well, like, where does it leave the woman? Uh, just completely out of the picture. So is he, he, and I think truly did not like the abuse of women, but his solution to it was to focus so much on mm-hmm. men, that women in his church were just basically neglected.
1: What well, and you know they talk they give these anecdotes of like you know there's women who are abandoned by their husbands single mothers they would call him up and say you know I need help and he would drop everything and go help them yeah there was even an anecdote in there about the media guy and he's like he had been dating a girl for eight eight years mm-hmm. and Driscoll said like kind of joking like when are you gonna marry her and he's like I don't have money for a ring all this and that and so he takes out he had just preached at like a youth group and they paid him money an yeah, honorarium. All of his money hands it to the guy and says go buy a ring and get married and he did and that guy's still married
0: so there i was really struck uh by those all those stories about the incredibly kind things right bristol did for people he let them live in his house rent free uh there was one woman who i think her her husband something happened to him medically a health issue and he's like we'll just come over and spend the night with us and like made her tea and just like he just he took care of people uh, when they when they needed it, and he was he put, willing to. He
1: he put rum in the tea, though. Like that, she said he wasn't trying to drug her. No, he was just trying to calm her down. And right, said, yeah, some rum in your tea, and uh, yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, I was struck by the stories of kindness and right uh, the way that he did show the love of God to people, and I think that's something that we're gonna continually see throughout our podcast series, Church is Cancelled, that, you know, people, they have scandals, and they, they make bad decisions. They're kind of assholes in the case of Mark Driscoll, but they can also be really kind and loving people at certain times. And that's like, I personally, I don't believe people are all good or all evil, evil, born evil, born good, anything like that. I think everyone has the capacity to be either one. And I think if we could see things that way, like even our church leaders, they have the capacity to do good things just like they can do bad things, maybe a <clears throat> perspective on these scandals and things that happen so we're not so devastated when a church like Mars Hill falls apart.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this much, like I know that at the end of the you know CT series, you know, they say like basically... There's, there's two groups of people that, you know, there's people who want to say it was all good. Let's just look at the impact he's had on spreading the gospel. And yeah. then there's another group of people who want to say he's all bad and or that the whole situation was all bad. But let me just add this thing. Um, there is a young man out there, 19, 20 years old. He's going to SEM. He's going to Bible college. Um, he has it in him to be a prolific preacher, a prolific messenger of the gospel. And he's going to listen to that podcast. He's going to look at the history of Mars Hill and he's going to go slow. He's going to take his time. He's going to be yeah. patient. He's going to surround himself with, with good, you know, elders, you yeah. know, older men he's oh, going yeah. to do. And he's going to reach hundreds of thousands of people. I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying, I believe this. Yeah. And so I, I know that it's difficult when you have gone through turmoil and throughout this podcast, they use, a lot of progressive therapy phrases like trauma and stuff like that
0: yeah
1: and they also use yeah, it's the, real
0: i think it's a real thing
1: i think it's a real thing but i think there is an element to which we tend to make things in the world in the realm of church and spirituality we have inherited something from the me generation the the baby boomers mm-hmm. where we tend to make it all about ourselves the whole point of the gospel is that it's about other people. And I think you have a tattoo right here that says, so that others may live, I think it's so a, that, others may
0: live forever. That's my, that's a little,
1: that's a little intense, but you know, like, I don't know about that, but you know, so, but I'm just saying that, you know, I think the, my takeaway from it was this was rough and people got hammered. And like, when we say yeah. that he hammered the guys, he like at one point called a all men's meeting Mm -hmm. at their one campus on a Saturday morning and just spent two hours berating them. And to that, I will just say this much, Um, you know, you know, one of my favorite shows is called community. Um, It's about a community college. And there's an episode where like a app comes to launch on the campus. It's like a social credit score app. And at the end of the episode, you know, this whole like, it was all this, it was a, it's a, it's a, It's a comedy show, right? It's a funny show, Um, a sitcom, as they say. But like at the end of the show, the guy goes and he's wearing like these weird outfits and and this there's all this turmoil and revolution on the campus. And he goes, you know, it's a Saturday, right? You guys can just leave. There's no classes today. You just, you don't have to be here. And I know this sounds like an easy solution. And I've done this before, like with the church that we planted, that you and I were on their team. We helped plant that church in Austin. Um, And it hurt my, it really hurt my feelings. I really, I was really sad that I had to leave, but um, of course I wasn't there for like a decade. So it's different. Like I, I wasn't, my entire life wasn't rooted in this, in this community. It kind of was.
0: How if you're part of a, a community that that intense, that you have experiences where your pastor is letting you live in their basement uh which i did i lived in the with one of, with the associate pastor of the church that we planted for like six weeks so yeah. i kind of like and uh how that builds loyalty um but then i can only imagine for being a part of something like that a community like that for years and then you find out uh yeah this guy's been just accusing people of heresy oh
1: and my gosh community. yeah
0: and
1: and no, but that's the part that I that really tore me up inside was that I was not enthused by the fact that he was being a dick to people, but I was I can I can accept that as a reality because we're all humans. Mm-hmm. The part I couldn't deal with, no, I can deal with it, but I'm just saying <clears throat> it's easy for us to criticize, we're thousands of miles away, a decade removed from the whole story,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but was how much of a, like the, the accusations he would level at people. And the oh, other yeah. thing that they encouraged was if someone from the church was fired or they left the church, they were to be treated as apostates, which yeah. I'm totally against that, right? If somebody that I know does something that goes against what I believe is God's will for people, my first reaction isn't, well, you're getting disfellowshipped. <laughs> like, and I'll say this much. I know, um, I, I, I don't want to give too many details cause it's somebody else's life and it's their story, but I know somebody in my community who came flying out of the closet, um, because they were getting engaged to somebody of the same gender and they just, and, and I don't know what the, anything about what happened before that, but this person had always been kind to me. They had loved me well. And they had, beyond, I think how they understand served and protected me from bad dark thoughts and all that kind of thing yeah um so i texted this person and in the spirit of the bible verse i forget the citation mourn with those who are mourning celebrate with those who are celebrating i wasn't endorsing any sort of particular behaviors or taking a theological position i just texted them to say i saw that you got engaged happy for you congratulations and the reaction I got from my dad, who this person is, went out, you know, like a distant relative of mine, fourth cousin maybe,
0: okay.
1: was why would you say that this person is like condemned to hell now? And I was like, this is not the, rea-. and I'm not, I don't have any agenda for this person other than like, they still are professing Jesus. If somebody professes Jesus, my rule is they're Christian. And that's, and I have no room to judge what's happening and i'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their life but i did know knowing my family knowing my community that this person's entire life just blew up like completely immolated they you know got got boot probably i'm assuming i don't know they probably got booted out of their church i doubt any of their cousins talk to this person anymore i don't know i'm just saying um and i thought geez that's that's whatever you want to say about the behavior is one thing, but to lose your family and your community and everything like this. And, you know, like, and the other thing too, is he wasn't like, he wouldn't give people severance. One of the pastors who ended up leaving. Yeah. So Driscoll was withholding severance from people who would not sign non-disclosures and (laughs) non-competes. Dude, we're not a business. We're not supposed to be a business that are competing, and the funny thing is, in his new church that he's planted, um, <clears throat> that he started
0: church in Arizona, somewhere. Scottsdale.
1: Yep, he is down the street from the Overseer Church, which is uh, from Dallas, um, Gateway Church. Yes, and he said this specific quote, and I and I like I listened to all of the Elephant Room series to like get prepped for this. So I I really dove deep into the psyche of Mark Driscoll as much as you can from afar. And he said, um, you know, we're, we're down the street from you. Wouldn't this be competition? And the pastor of that church goes, no, we're all doing the same thing, right? Yeah. There's, there's room for everybody. So that guy on, and this was, and it's easy to be like, well, he went through a hard time and then, and then, you know, matured. This was like, eight months later after saying, if you, not eight months, like, Mm. you know, like 18 months more, like where he said, if that guy quits and plants a church within 75 miles of Seattle or any of our campuses, like he has to sign this before he's going to get his severance. Yeah. But what's impressive about the community was he declined to sign the the documents and it was maybe another person. They declined declined to, what's that?
0: Who declined to sign the documents?
1: one of the elders that he fired or one of the pastors one of the campus pastors that he fired declined correct yeah declined to sign the non-disclosure non-compete so yeah. the church withheld their their severance and it was like you know he has a family and it, you know because he listened to what Driscoll said he got married had a yeah. bunch of kids bought a house now he has these things called bills and he mm-hmm. has to pay them and Driscoll just took away his his salary, the community put out a GoFundMe and raised a little over a year's salary to make wow. sure that he and like, so to say that the community that he created, whether he was toxic or not, didn't um, exemplify the gospel and how we should be taking care of each other. Difficult for me to say it happens without Mark Driscoll. And it's also like, that situation happened where they have to give this guy money or they need to raise the money because Driscoll was a dick. Yeah. But the reason, but the fact is, would those people ever have come together? Doubt it. Like would they have ever known each other without Driscoll starting this church? Doubt it. Um, And you know, these churches are now there's, I think there's nine subsequently. I think he had 11 campuses or 13 campuses. when the thing ended i think they had already had to close two it went to 11 because they had lost so much membership sure from all of the drama and the other thing to say is like i don't know if this is true or not but like he's like people were we had helicopters like news helicopters flying over our house my sons are throwing rocks at these helicopters and like his son apparently like grabbed his BB gun. And he's like, I'm going to go wait outside on the porch overnight just to protect the family. I'm like, I appreciate your kid's spirit, but maybe you screwed him up a little bit. But I like, that's his reaction to news helicopters, you know, but, and I also know that in the city of Seattle being very progressive, some of the people, like everybody lost their job, like, you know, and I think he said at one point, the media team was 60 people. That's a huge media team. And like one of them went to try and get a job at, they didn't say the name of the company, but I'm gonna guess it's Microsoft. And um, he put MH music because he didn't want to say Mars Hill, and he's like, and the guy, the interviewer asks this candidate, does that mean Mars Hill music? And the candidate goes, Yes. And the guy just said, You can leave now, or just he didn't uh, get the job because of that. Wow. So I can understand how. People are walking away from this, like, you know, still carrying grief and they're yeah, unhappy and about not it. Yeah. What's that?
0: And not coming back. I'm sure there are plenty, plenty of people walked away from church and walked away from faith altogether.
1: And, you know, in the first episode, I said, if there's one thing that pisses me off, it's people who quit church for stupid reasons, or they quit faith for dumb reasons. The number one dumb reason to quit is because of a pastor or a church that hurt you. Now, here's what I'm going to say. That part sucks. I'm not saying that's cool. I'm not excusing the behavior. I'm not saying it's fine. I'm just saying if you want to do anything in this life with a community, you have to accept the risk that somebody's going to be a dick to you and they're going to hurt you and they're going to. Here's what I also will say is like, I don't think that where the hurt is coming from is simply because of his actions i think it's because they knew a mark driscoll that was the kind of man who would drop everything to go help a single mother who would right. make sure that there was a woman who was getting beat by her husband and he would go talk to him or whatever or, or maybe he brawled with him i don't know i hope he did if dude if he if if i found out someone in my church was beating on his wife and a couple of guys are like, let's go tune him up. I'd be like, I'm so excited. <laughs> Finally, a war. Yeah. Um, so they knew that and they felt betrayed by the man right. that said, you're an apostate. And, you know, right. you're, and, and then disfellowship them and said, nobody from within the church talk to this person. Right. And you can understand if you're somewhere for a decade, like I've lived in the, like a 15 mile square radius, basically my whole life. And I'm getting ready to leave um this is my whole universe is here you know what i'm saying i've i've known all these people for my Everything whole life you know. yeah <clears throat> so i can grasp that and to those people let me just say as someone who's been made to feel or you know to to quote um the great philosopher curtis jackson also known as 50 cent <laughs> um i'm sorry i th- I'm sorry you think I made you feel that way. I think you quoted that to me once.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm sorry you think I made you feel that
1: way. <laughs> um, uh, the people who are, who in church, staff at churches who behave like this, who are dicks to people, their head is thinking, hey man, we're on a mission. And you're getting in the way of that with your questions and your thoughts and right. your feelings and and your jokes. and." It's a circular problem because what's the, what's the mission? What are we doing here? Spreading the gospel so that people can know that Jesus loves them, has a plan for their life, that this, that our existence has a meaning and a purpose and that is to commune with our creator and that, Hey, just throwing this out there. Your creator loves you and delights in you. I don't, if you had, if someone, I remember someone telling me that once uh, they, they were prophesying over me and they just grabbed me in church, grabbed my arm, and said, uh, God wants you to know that he delights in you. I'm like, okay, <laughs> God also knows what I'm going to do right after the service. So <laughs> let's not, let's take it easy there. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah.
0: I think, you know, if the problem that I see with these big mega church scandals in this play, more we're going to talk about, is that people attach to a vision that the leader it's the leader's vision if you're going to attach to a vision it's got to be just kind of the the gospel bare bones if you attach to some individual's vision and he he or she is rallying the entire congregation around, don't make a face when i say she there we're going to get into a scandal that was a she she was a a big part of that because people believed in her vision if you're believing in this individual's vision, I think you're setting yourself up to get hurt. I mean, because people are just people. It doesn't matter if they're pastors or not. I uh, I was doing some service work with a church uh, back in Memphis. And I I asked this guy, you know, how he got involved. And he said, well, I just really believe in so-and-so, the main guy's vision. So I left this city I used to live in and moved up here with my wife. And I'm like, this guy's life is going to suck in about <laughs> who knows when. But it just... <laughs> You got to be careful if you're you're buying into what someone else believes in uh especially in a, a religious a spiritual community you got to be careful
1: yeah and you know there's that verse in the bible about guarding your heart there's verses in the bible about how some ministers are not you know they they're preaching for their own ends and that's right. what i would say like this this is the part that I, I understand the sociopathic tendencies and he let me just say this you,
0: you for sure do
1: yeah as someone who might, you know, anyways, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to proclaim that over my life. But what I will say is, if you really want power, if you truly want to be a sociopathic leader, and you really want to just get people to follow you, the best way to do that is to own up to your mistakes and um, take responsibility for your bad actions and go as far as to take responsibility for the consequences the downstream consequences of your bad actions that that led somebody else to aggrieve someone else you know what i'm saying like yeah that's how you really get the power because one thing i realized is when i really wanted a spiritual when i went into a church or i start joining a community or whatever and i'm just open about my nonsense and my bs i'm just like yeah i like this and Like I don't like, you know. Like you guys have a stock of latinas here, so that's why I'm coming to your church, right? I'm I'm unapologetic about it, and I make.
0: I've heard you tell pastors that you sell drugs to children for a living.
1: (laughs) I've I've done that before. I I can't, like, I I can't um, like if you can take ownership of that, people. It just doesn't. Their criticisms of you, people's criticisms won't stick to you, because they go he's he well, might well, be he apologized
0: yep it's
1: not just that people will go yes he is a dick and he did tell somebody that he sells drugs to children and he did make a reference to like we know somebody who runs a non-profit for child like for human trafficking it's a sincere problem and I love that that person is doing that yeah. and one time I saw him and he was explaining to someone his ministry and I said you know I'm on the other side of that transaction <laughs> <laughs> And of course that person I'm talking about is a lovely person, but has no you sense know, of humor when I make those kinds of jokes because <laughs> I'm not being serious, right? No one, there is not anybody Christian or otherwise. She was like, "Oh, this is a good idea. Like even the guys shoving a bunch of Chinese people into a shipping container isn't like, this is good. Oh, this is healthy for, they know what they're doing is wrong and bad, but they're doing it anyway.
0: Right. So good. Oh, we're going to end on the human trafficking <laughs> note.
1: No, let me just, uh, there's just one other thing I want to conclude with and um, is that, you know, there's one of my favorite shows is a HBO show called Silicon Valley. And, you know, this whole, don't ever watch it. It's evil. Um, this whole series, it's whatever, six seasons. It, it starts with this guy wanting to build a product and it ends with launch day. Six all the ups and downs they go to, and they're finally going to launch the product. And he realized what he's built is evil for one, re- for one reason or another. And he goes, not only can we not launch this product, like we have to launch the product, but the launch has to be flaming out. Like we have to butcher this so that nobody goes back to this idea and tries to build it because mm-hmm. they're going to draw the same conclusions that we did. And they're going to end up building this evil product. And I look at Mars Hill and, and Mark Driscoll and I go, like there's so many lessons here there is an incalculable human toll there's a lot of people dead behind the mars hill bus yeah but there's also infinitely more people who heard the gospel because of this and right. i'll say this about the church that we planted there are people there who would have never gone to that who would have never walked into a church that's true if it wasn't a church preaching this progressive weirdness stuff that i found gross and detestable and leftover. yeah and just in closing, I do want to say one thing. We talked about that in the last episode, and I didn't, and I, I hope I said it then, but I left without telling anybody I was leaving, and Brett stayed, and we were still roommates. So people started asking Brett, and I felt yeah. horrible that you ended up being the like. Yeah, I used I, to
0: say, I'm an individual. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. What are we we're twins together? Yeah. You're like six foot two. I'm barely five eight. So you know, like we're. Two different people. Um, but hey, just this last thing, um, and then we're gonna close in prayer. I just wanna <laughs> I just wanted to let you know, hey Brett, you're canceled.
0: Danny, you're also canceled.